Well, amen. Good morning, everyone. If you are here for the very first time, I'm Ricky Oyala, the senior pastor of this congregation, and I want to welcome all of you. We are currently in our sermon series that is titled, One Day. And I also want to take a moment and say thank you for those of you who are watching online. Uh, part of the, the series, as we did in, um, in the month of uh, August, is what's this one day? Uh, in our lives, if we think back that one day something can have impacted our lives that made a change in us, whether, again, for the positive or sometimes for the discouragement, disappointment, sometimes we really get in, uh, ourselves into a pit. One day, it could be a joyous occasion that you receive news about something that you can celebrate. But we also know that one day can be a moment that it just a, a matter of a phone call uh, of tragedy striking, it can uh, impact our lives. Uh, so when you think about the one day, that's what this series is about, but more specifically, the one days that Jesus was able to teach uh, while he was here on earth, uh, whether it was to his disciples, whether it was to the crowd, whether it was to the Pharisees or teachers of the law, uh, one day. And I, I would pray that when that happened, that people, when they uh, heard from Jesus and they heard what he was saying, that, it, that not only were they hearing it, but they were applying it um, to their lives to make a difference in their lives. Uh, I want to uh, start off uh, by at least two little stories uh, of the my, two of my one days. Apart from uh, being married and, being, and the one day that my child, uh, the three children were born, uh, th those are joyous occasions too, but there have been times that one days, it seems like it's a little uh, embarrassing. There was uh, one time I was at uh, this Wawa here, and most people, if they, if they say, hey, Pastor Ricky, I, I, I would probably think that they're from the church, right? And so when they say, hey, Pastor Ricky, and one, one, there was one day that I have this app on my phone that it's the Wawa app, all right? I can pay with it. I get rewards with it. Uh, I mean, if you don't have it, you got to sign up, right? I mean, you, you, you can even pay for fuel over it. No, so I'm not trying to get promote Wawa or anything. I'm just saying uh, there came to a point one day that I had money in my account and it wasn't registering. When, when, they, when they, here's a little gun and they, they will trigger it and the, the register person, the cashier was saying, I'm sorry, but it's not taking it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got, you, you, you got people who are lining up and just wait, you know those moments? Like, I said, I don't even want to look at them, right? And I, and, and, and I said, no, try, okay, yeah, come on, try, try it again, try it again, right, right, boop, and nothing. I'm like, oh, and she, and she was like, it's not working, sir. I'm thinking, and I'm looking at it, and there's money. It shows there's money in it. And I even said, look, there's money in it. <laughs> and she tried it again. It didn't work. I was so embarrassed. I, at that very moment, here comes somebody that I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't even know who it was. For me, it was a stranger. He says, how much is it? And... Wouldn't you know it? They went and paid cash and says, go, go on, go on your way. I, I couldn't, I, the only thing I was able to tell the individual was thank you. That person was a stranger to me, but it, it, it impacted my life so much at that very moment that I remembered that day. I also remember a day when my family, we were trying to make ends meet as much as possible, my wife having multiple jobs, I'm having multiple jobs, and it came to a point that we, I mean, we were, we were struggling. And then a stranger comes by, you know, and he says, the Lord's put something in my heart that I need to, to give you this. And when I'm finding out, I open up the envelope, it's $150. Now, 
that, who, who, who's that person? I didn't tell the people that I was struggling. You know, that pride when, when you're going through your lows, you don't want anybody else to know. And so there was a moment that the gentleman said, I just felt to be able to do that. So this was several years ago, so $150 back then was still a pretty good amount that I always remembered those one days that I want to make sure that the same way that those strangers were to me, I want to be able to pass it on and be that stranger to somebody else. And so by our actions, it can actually make another individual and turn their life around or even just turn their emotions around for that very, that at least if it's only for a day to provide a sense of hope in the midst of despair. Today I want to go into the scriptures in the book of Luke chapter 10. We want to hear about how Jesus had another interaction with one of the experts of the religious laws. And beginning on verse 25, I'm reading from the NLT version, so your translation may be a little different. Uh, so it says here, one day, can you say that one day? One day. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Let me pause there for a moment. Here, Jesus is obviously responding with a question to a question. And the reason why he also did that is as an expert of the law or religious law, he already knew. And so, but, but the Bible is saying that that, that, that uh, religious person or the expert of the law wanted to test Jesus, and then he responded, says, what does the law of Moses be, uh, uh, say? And, and, and so he responded. Why he, the way he responded, he must have known what it was. Why ask the question if you already know the answer? And it says, the man replied, answered, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Let me pause there. I don't know about you, but have there been conversations when someone tells you, you know, you're right? <laughs> I try to get that from my wife on a regular basis, but, uh, you know. <laughs> when you hear someone saying, you're right, it's like, oh, man, it's like, yeah, you're right. But here's the part. Sometimes in knowing, uh, being a leader, being a, a, a person to know that we can sometimes be wrong, I think it, it makes the person even uh, approachable in the way that their, their character is when they know that they're wrong and they admit that they're wrong. Several months ago, that happened to me also, that, that it, we were in a setting, and I was like, uh, yep, I'm going to do this. And then the, uh, and I was corrected. I said, no, no, I don't think you should do that. And, and in the midst of, instead of me, you know, saying anything else, what I realized is like, this person is correct. And I just said in response, I stand corrected. I, I won't be doing this. Right? And sometimes when, when we look at people and you have a relationship with them, it is not about the person always being right, but all, also making sure that they know that they're not right all the time. But here Jesus is saying, right. And he tells them, do this and you will live. 
So again, it's not just speaking it. It's not just saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, you know, and love your neighbor. It's not just about speaking it, but doing it and putting it into action. And I love how Jesus says, and you will live. And so when he's responding to the question of having eternal life, yeah, and you will live, but I also want to uh, pause here for a moment because what happens when we are discouraged? What happens when we feel like we're in the pit? Uh, Doesn't it feel like we're no longer living? So when we are putting our words into action that will uh, have others praising God and worshiping Jesus, we should be able to live. Those, those actions should give us the strength and the energy and the courage to stand up again saying, I want to live this day that God has given me in the very best way that I can that will give him honor and glory. And so therefore, when we do that, when we do it, how can we live our life? So the man already had the, the answer, and especially when Jesus said, you're right, and you would think that would finish, but no, the man continued on, and the man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That question implies as if there, 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 there's neighbors that are not. And, and you know what? He, uh, and who's my neighbor? And Jesus, this time, responds with a parable. And this is what he said. He says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Let me pause there. So visually think that there's an individual lying here. You know, he's been beaten by the bandits and and left half dead. And the the, the priest is coming over here and and he's traveling by. And according to the parable, he sees the the man that's that's been beaten and lying down. and, And he just continues on on the other side of the road. Keep that in mind. Here's his priest and going this way, even though he saw a need. And then what happens then, on verse 32, it says a temple assistant, and some of, some of your translation may say a Levite, it says uh, the temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Let me pause there. This Levite, this, this uh, a temple assistant, took a little step further than what the priest did. The priest saw him, and he continued on his way, but this temple assistant saw the need and he went over, and, and can you imagine, the, the Bible is saying that, uh, the parable, that he looked at him. Now, now put yourself in that bandit, you know, excuse me, uh, the, uh, the, the one that's hurt that was beaten by the bandits, and can, that all of a sudden, when you see someone coming towards you, you're hurt, and, and, and you're in pain, and you're suffering, and you need this hope, and like, finally, not somebody just walked by on the other side because they saw me uh, hurt. Here's somebody that's coming closer to me, and surely they will be able to help. The Bible is saying that he went over, looked at him. I can just picture him there, looked at him. Can, can, you, can you think about the, the man who's on the floor and, 
and he's looking up. It's like he's saying, help. The person is so close that they see him, and, and then the person walks on the other side. There's two individuals, two, the two Jewish, you got the priest and you got the temple assistant and he there, Jesus is speaking about them and to this expert of the religious law who he can say that he recognized and uh, because of who they were, but all of a sudden, a stranger. It says then, uh, verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. You know, when when the words like a despised Samaritan, it was more of the the differences between the Samaritans and the Jewish people, and and, and they they, they felt more of despised. And so with with the uh, expert of the law, recognizing, oh, what's going on here? There's a change. The first two were Jewish, uh, uh, the the priests and and the temple assistant, but what's going on with this Samaritan? I can only imagine the wheels turning on this expert of of, of law who had asked a question to Jesus of who is my neighbor, and then when he tells him that a despised Samaritan came along when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. And I would think about those individuals, if you've ever been in the lowest part in your life and, the, and, and then, you, then you had somebody else help you along to get up and, 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 and heal the wounds and, and get back on, on, in, in, uh, on your feet, you won't forget that moment when somebody did that for you. So as a despised Samaritan, I can imagine that he at one point was at his lowest point and he knows what it is and therefore he went out and uh, assisted the individual because he had compassion over him. And then going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he took the man and put him on his donkey and and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins and, and uh, according to the, the, uh, the studies mentioning that every coin was like a, uh, a one day's wage. And so he provided them with two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Yes, now go and do the same. It's like you are correct again. Now go, don't don't, don't just talk about it. Go ahead and do it. And do the same, show mercy. It's interesting that the, uh, the expert of the religious law did not say, well, the Samaritan did it. No, he said, the one that showed mercy. So it doesn't uh, matter about the, the, the cultural status or who we are, or the, the color of our skin and things. It's the one that shows mercy. That's the Samaritan at that very moment. That's who is our neighbor, and so that's what we're supposed to be doing. When you say, who's our neighbor, who we're going to go help? And I got to tell you, this is not an easy read, because when we talk about who's our neighbor, uh, don't raise your hand, but you may not like your neighbor. 
truth be told. But the Bible is saying here more of the command is to love God and to love our neighbor. It's not a suggestion. It is a command to love our neighbors. That we can be a stranger to something, that we respond and we are known as a stranger until we assist them and help them. And I love that the parable doesn't say that the, the man who did the Samaritan, the, the despised a Samaritan, said, I, I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to charge you for it. He didn't do that. He did it out of his heart, did it out of compassion. He showed mercy. He healed his wounds, and then he took care of them and paid to make sure that whatever he needed, and then if there's anything, uh, any other bills were, were incurred, then he'd be able to pay them next time he'd return. When we think about the scriptures, we think about most of the time we are reading it, and, but we don't sometimes hear about it. And today, I'm going to invite the response crew uh, individuals uh, who are our modern-day um, Good Samaritans. I'm going to ask them to come up. They'll be over on this section here. Uh, as they come up, there are two teams that went over to the Kentucky, and, and uh, as some of you heard, there was uh, the, the flooding that took place in Kentucky, and, and uh, several members of our response crew went down and, and helped them, and we're going to be asking them a few questions here. But here's the part, and part of the response crew, if you're here for the very first time, the response crew is, is, a, is a team of individuals that will go out in our community, when, especially when there's inclement weather and down trees and, or to spruce up in, uh, the, the outside of a home or whatever it may be. And then not only are locally, but also, I mean, they've gone to Florida, and, and you're going to hear today about uh, the, the trip that they went down to Kentucky. And you're going to hear about more about, again, modern-day Samaritans and uh, as they became strangers. But my prayer is that they went in as strangers to other people they went to help, but also towards the end that they weren't strangers anymore, but really friends and or family. So that's what, when we do our part, is so important. So today I have uh, with us the, the response crew, and uh, several of them are, there's actually two teams the one team is the, uh, the ones in the, in the higher chairs are the ones that are the, the uh, debris team. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll let them uh, talk about that, but also we have a van team, and they're gonna, you're going to hear about them. So I'm going to start off with the debris team. Uh, we have Jay, we got Tim, we got John, we got Trevor. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Uh, can you, can you, when you went into the uh, uh, Kentucky, for example, what, what impacted you the most as soon as you got there? Anyone from your team? I'd have to say one of the, the persons we met that we actually did not help, and that would have been uh, Michael. And uh, we, we came to his house, and we just could not move the, the amount of debris he had. It was too soft, so on. He, had, he was walking with his oxygen bottle. Hmm. And I said to him, obviously he lost everything. They were living in tents and a, and a, a trailer. I, I don't know how big the family was. I said, Michael, what can we do to make tomorrow better for you? Uh, seeing they lost everything, I'm thinking, unless he asks for a new car, we're going to go buy it and bring it to him. <laughs> yeah. And, and at that point, maybe a car would have been a pro. I don't know. Uh, and he, his, his reply was, we're good. We're, we're, we pretty much, we're set. We, we have somewhere to stay. We've, we've got food. We're better than 99% of the people. You know, give your, your help to someone else. We don't need it. Wow. He needed it. Wow, and that's something. He needed it. Now, for, uh, for one of the other three on there, for example, what, when you, what, 
prompted you to say, you know what, I got to go to uh, Kentucky? Um, I, I was lucky that uh, we have a leader like Jay Kratz. Jay was, uh, had a burning bush moment, maybe in the truck one time, uh, and has created this whole ministry. So uh, it was just an honor to be asked and to be able to join these guys in, in a service project. Amen. Amen. Uh, and we also have uh, what I, I call the van crew, right? Uh, and so what prompted uh, you three guys to head down and be of assistance uh, for the, the, with the van? Uh, just giving back. Uh, wanted to show Travis, my son, uh, you know, I, I, I come from pretty humble beginnings, and I know what it's like not to have a whole lot. So I wanted him to see that. Amen. So, uh, so Bill, uh, you had Travis with you. You know, you're setting a great example uh, for your son, uh, right? And uh, uh, and son, I know that you, you're a young man right now. So, what prompted you, other than saying, "My dad made me"? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to help people in need. Amen. Who had less than I did. Do. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. On there, from the uh, from the debris team on there. What what impact when you went in there? It's like what did, what impacted you the most when you saw the devastation uh, when when you got there? Yeah, I'd agree with with what Jay said about people feeling they didn't need help. The devastation was almost undescribable, and uh, you know as we met these people and interacted with them, how many of them just didn't complain? They just we're moving on with life. They, you know, you talk about one day. They had one day that was pretty traumatic, and the next day they're just rebuilding. And you know, we tried to help where we could, and I think we did help. Amen. Uh, uh, Trevor, is there any? Uh, what kind of jobs did you guys do from the debris team? What, what, what kind of jobs do you guys do? We did um, a lot of different things. We did everything from uh, just general house cleanup. So we met one family who had two places. Uh, one, both of them were completely flooded out, and one, after they turned on the electricity again, actually burnt completely down. So mm. we were able to help move the debris from the burnt down house, and then they actually gutted the whole place by the time we were there for the other place that was just flooded, only had four feet of water in it. Um, we were able to take all of the debris from there out towards the street where FEMA is going to be able to pick some of those up. We were able to help people get into their places from their driveway. They had a big mudslide down the side. So mm. we really didn't have one thing that was kind of our niche. We really were able to do a lot of different things, help a lot of different types of people. Oh, amen. Uh, from, uh, Dave, from your crew that went down with the van on there, tell us what, what happened with the van. Well, we were 2,500 miles on that week. In five days, we were taking equipment and supplies from one area to another area to another, like four different places. We used making firehouse as our base, and Bill was coordinating everything. He was calling people at different centers. What do you need? What do you, what do you have to have to send out? So we take, we just pick stuff up. We went to Clarksville, Kentucky, which was six hours away, five and a half hours away, down and back. It took, well, seven o'clock in the morning to 12 at night by the time we got back to the hotel. And, and then so you guys went, even the, the items, I want to let you know that even if you didn't go uh, physically down to Kentucky, you were a big part of it as your financial giving came in to help them and your donations for the items that packed the, uh, uh, the van. So I, I want to say thank you so much for doing that. But uh, there was a story about a, a, a man you guys uh, connected with down there. We were going to this children's home on Friday 
in the morning, and we looked down this steep hill, and there's this guy down there. And Bill says, we got to stop there on the way back. So <laughs> we got done down there. We're coming back, so we pulled off and went down this hill, and there's three of us, three guys in Orange Church coming down to this one guy. And I was thinking, what is he thinking? <laughs> what do these guys want? So we went down and we asked this guy, his name was Oscar. And we said, how you doing? What did he say? He's doing okay. Huh. I don't have anything. I lost it all. It all got flooded, but I'm doing okay. And we're, we're just looking, okay, what can we do? We, oh, I could use some water and maybe some soap to clean up and stuff like that. So, well, okay. So we decided, well, we asked him, can we pray for you? He said, sure. We prayed, which was cool. Then we said, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll get you some stuff and come back. And that's what we did. Bill is a miracle man. He went back to the firehouse, and we got all these tent, generate water, supplies, food, and we took it back, and we, we got there, went in there, and we said to Oscar, what do you want? Because we didn't want to just say, here, take this. You don't, we didn't do it that way. We said, what do you want? What do you need? He took most of it, but the coolest thing was, after we were getting ready to leave, he said, can you pray for me? Hmm. That says it all. Wow. Thank you for being there uh, for him. Uh, Jay, Pastor, Pastor Ricky, uh, I have to say, go ahead. to touch on your, on your words, until you're that Samaritan and you go and help that person on the side of the road that's, that's hurting, or you pull up into someone's home that is hopeless after a tragedy, after a tornado, a, a flood, and they have no idea how they're going to handle the situation that they've been dealt you pull up and say, we're here to help and, and we're going to do our best to, to make this uh, much better for you. Until you do that, you really can't appreciate what it's like to be that Samaritan. Hmm. But here's a warning. Once you do that, <laughs> yeah. am I wrong? Once you do that, it's all over. You're hooked. You're hooked. Amen. I truly appreciate that. your neighbor forever. Amen. Amen. I can only imagine them going through so much devastation and what they had gone through, and then all of a sudden some strangers from Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania. Gilbertsville isn't so uh, backwoods uh, hickey as uh, you think once you get uh, into the hollers of Tennessee. And I did uh, uh, speak briefly that uh, we don't hear that Jesus in his parable mentioned that he was, um, uh, the Good Samaritan charged the man that was beaten or, or, things, or left for a half dead. Uh, did you charge, any, any of you charge for what you did down there no, in Kentucky? No, we didn't. Absolutely not. We, are, uh, we, we get support from the people that we're looking at right now. And without those, without those persons, we couldn't have done it. It is, we got 8.6 miles of the gallon heading down there and, and back. So do the math. Gas was the single big, biggest expense that we incurred. And without every person who contributed $10 or $100 or $1,000, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be sitting up here telling you the story. Amen. I want to say thank you so much for being modern-day uh, Good Samaritans to people. And I pray that the, the job that both of the teams did, the Bree as well as the Van team, uh, again, you came in as strangers, but that you left as a uh, family and a friends. And uh, 
if anybody that's here wants to be a part of the response crew, whether locally or if when uh, other things happen in other states, uh, is there still room for that? Absolutely there is. There's always room. Uh, shout out in any way. Call the church office. Uh, email me. Catch us after the service. Uh, message us on Facebook. Uh, any way at all, shout out and say, put me in, Coach. Amen. All right, please give them uh, a round of applause, and thank you so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's not all the time that I'm able to, to, to preach a message and then you hear it being lived out. And so I want to say thank you to the response crew. This is just a crew that went down to Kentucky, but the the response crew does something almost every weekend in our local areas. And I want to say thank you for doing, utilizing your gifts and your talents and your presence, especially when somebody is in need. You are truly representing what the hands and feet of Jesus Christ is unto the people who are hurting. So I want to say personally, thank you. I do want to share with you that as we we finish this message out today is reflect back. And think about those one days that somebody came into your life and they were strangers. You may have not thought about it at that very moment, but think, you know, take a moment and thank God for those individuals. It may have been more than once, but thank them. You may not remember their names. You may not remember their faces, but you know what their action did, and that was how it impacted yours to get up from where you were to get back on your feet to thank Jesus and thank God for on that Samaritan that came to your side. But I also pray, and the second part is, think about and pray to God that you become that good Samaritan as somebody else who may be in need. Not just look at them, not just walk by, but also take them and, and be with them and to come alongside of them and you know what the most important part I would believe is to expect nothing in return other than the continued blessing that God gives us and his presence to say God what I have just done I'm not saying it I am doing it that way I can live and that by living God I am giving you honor I'm giving you glory and when we do that other people those who are helping who are coming alongside and helping can also see Jesus in us, that they too may become a Samaritan to somebody else. Go and do the same as Jesus told the expert of the law. Go and do and live. Let us pray. God, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your message. We thank you that we're a church that not just speaks to God, but we act upon it. And we heard today, only briefly, and I'm sure that every member of that response crew that went down in Kentucky has more stories to tell. And I pray, God, those who are you're, you're stirring in their hearts to be a part of a, of a ministry like this locally and as we go out to other states, God, that they respond with your love. Having the light of Jesus in us to be the hands and feet of others because we know when we are down and we've been down several times in our lives that have uh, caused us to... Uh, view life sometimes a little bit differently. 
But when we come before you and asking you for, for forgiveness, asking you to restore us, asking you to renew us, let us come alongside others who are in dire need of hearing the message of hope. Not just walk by them, not just look and continue on, but come alongside of them to let them know that Jesus is alive and well, not by what we say, but what we do. And let us continue to live because Christ lives in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I ask that you uh, come back next week as we uh, finalize this sermon series, The One Day. Bring your family, bring your friends, and you know what? Bring your neighbor, if you, even if you don't like them. But I know that's not the case. <laughs> no, but uh, people need to hear the word of Jesus. At the same way that one day Jesus spoke to that uh, expert of the law, religious law, and he spoke to his disciples. He, one day, that's today, he continues to speak to us. Let, not, let us not be hearers of the word, but let's do it. Apply it, giving honor and glory to God. Until we see each other again, may God's love, peace, and the guidance of the precious Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. And God's people will all say, amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to please stand as we close out today's service with the next song.